This episode of the Beauty Industry Podcast was brought to you by InSkin Cosmetics. Hello and welcome to the Beauty Industry Podcast, your online support community for the professional beauty industry. I am your host, founding director of Beauty Industry, Tamara Reed. Here, we are closing the competitive gap and speaking your language. This is a platform created and dedicated to the professional beauty industry, valuing community over competition. We serve to help connect you with inspiration from industry experts, expand your knowledge through educational pieces, and bring you the latest in product and technology innovation. This is Beauty Industry. Today, my guest is Catherine Moore. Catherine has been a leading expert in the global spa industry for over 15 years now with extensive knowledge of all aspects of the spa industry. Recognized for her creativity and out-of-the-box thinking when developing bespoke, high-end spa and wellness concepts for a broad spectrum of clients, Catherine is a highly sought-after collaborator in the market today. During her time with M Spa, overseeing more than 60 spas for minor hotels, Catherine identified noticeable gaps in the industry. Her solution was to form Spa Connectors in 2015, offering exclusive training programs as well as recruitment solutions and business consultancy. In only a short time, Spa Connectors has developed a reputation for delivering innovative, personalized solutions to address the client's need, ensuring longevity and high performance for every spa business associated with Spa Connectors. Globally recognized brands such as Rosewood, Movenpick, Intercontinental and Mandara are just some of the names that Spa Connectors has been able to secure partnerships with under the helm of Catherine. Catherine's most recent venture involves creating the Hall of Wellness Awards, which is a globally reaching platform aimed for reward and recognition to the best of the industry. Here's Catherine and I for Beauty Industry. Catherine Moore, welcome to the Beauty Industry podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for featuring today. Um, Catherine, I would love to start at the very beginning of your career. Where did you make your way into the professional beauty industry? Mm, It's a a little bit of a long story, so I'll uh, keep it short and sweet. Um, I was studying business and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, I was in restaurants and nightclubs. Uh, in Melbourne, actually. It was started off in Perth um, and uh, loved that whole scene, loved creating uh, restaurant concepts, nightclubs and so forth, but I spent a lot of time um, drinking too much and working crazy hours and it it wasn't really uh, something I wanted to continue doing. Just from a health perspective, it wasn't great. I'd always um, been really interested in the beauty industry in a sense, I would do my friends' um, hair and makeup for balls and socials and all sorts of things. And I was always sort of experimenting with what's the latest. Um, I also had like issues with my skin. So I was always trying to find like what's the, the best thing that I could do to fix my skin and um, stop breakouts and so forth. So I was always kind of fascinated and, and into it. And then um, trying to work out what to do next, I had come across... A couple of industry leaders here, um, Vanessa Gay, um, Vanessa Main, 
um, who are now really good friends of mine um, and saw what they were doing in the industry globally and was like, wow, you know, that could be super cool. And so I decided to do a beauty therapy diploma. Um, I've never actually been a beauty therapist, but I did it so that I would have a background and an understanding from a therapist perspective, which actually has been um, really helpful for me, uh, especially being able to relate to my therapists or the team members that I've had when I was running spas and salons and so forth. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I finished that and started managing spas, um, starting in Melbourne and then um, moved to Thailand. And uh, the rest is history, basically. Um, it's been a, a bit of a crazy 10 years or so, actually. It's probably coming up 15 years. Um, but, yeah, really I've been in the right place at the right time and um, put my hand up for opportunities and uh, having my own business now for the last five years um, has really put me into um, sort of a different space. But, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Amazing. I think so often, you know, people who are in leadership roles or they, they kind of look at the beauty industry and go, oh, that is so easy. I'm just going to take over this business and run a little beauty salon with therapists. And, you know, they get there and they panic because they're like, oh my goodness, this is so difficult. I guess you had the foresight prior to that to go, no, actually, I need to know the practicality of the role before I get there. Mm. I think um, what we see in our industry is so many people wanting to step up and run a business, which is amazing. And they might have come from being a therapist, but now uh, they're not having the expertise to be able to run a business, which is amazing what you're doing and you're being able to help support them and give them the tools to run a business. And um, that's where I'm seeing a challenge is that, we sadly don't have uh, a lot of all-round expertise in the industry or support for them. Um, so, yeah, that, that's really what I thought was required for my career. And I think I'm, I was more so interested in business um, and I just happened to really love, you know, spa and wellness and, and the healing and beauty and all those sorts of things. So it sort of just ended up this way. Amazing. Can you talk to me about the transition from Melbourne to Thailand? How does one do that? And then, I mean, the language mm. barrier, the navigation, where do you mm. even start? It was a bit of a, a fluke, the whole thing, really. Um, so I was engaged at the time and my fiancé got transferred to Thailand for his work. So I wasn't really sure whether I'd be able to work um, many expats in in the spa industry weren't being employed usually they would spend money on locals in those sorts of roles and bizarrely um and i'm a firm believer in everything's meant to be um i had been chasing m spa for a few years about working overseas and had always been sort of sending them um, emails and trying to work out like what was happening with them and, and always sort of admired what they were doing uh, from a, a third-party spa management company perspective. And I got to Hua Hin, which was, is two hours out of Bangkok where we lived. And funnily enough, a job came up through Spa Careers um, that was to look after two spas in Hua Hin. 
Um, Spa Careers was uh, Vanessa Gay's business at the time. It was a global recruitment business. It's not existing anymore. But I'd said to her, um, you know, if you could find me uh, a role, that would be amazing. And weirdly enough, this role popped up and it was with M Spa looking after two of their spas. Um, so I, uh, yeah, got the job um, and started working uh, across the two spas there uh, and going back to, and forth to Bangkok and so forth so on. Um, it was definitely a learning curve because I'd come from running a spa at Hilton in Melbourne where it was just all about the payroll and it was all about just managing your expenses. Um, yes, it was, uh, I was able to implement in different initiatives and try to create a great experience, but you definitely can't do it in the same capacity as you could do it in Asia. Um, and so I would, I, I came and you, you'd have had so many staff and you didn't have to worry about payroll. Um, and really all you had to be worrying about was how to drive revenue, how to capture in-house guests, um, how to, to do your forecasts and budgets, um, how to, to differentiate yourself from the little, um, you know, two-star massage place that has a massage for, you know, $5, $10. So it was, it was a completely um, different uh, business for me to run. And then also managing the team um, I had a GM who was really great and he sat me down and he was like, okay, these are his book on um, Thai culture and so forth. These are the things that you kind of really need to understand. If you want to make changes, this is the best way to do it. Um, if you want to, uh, you know, discipline people, this is the best way to do it. These are the things to look out for, which was really helpful. But, yeah, I certainly had a f situations that uh, I wasn't prepared for. There was one um, situation, and I always tell this story when I do my X Factor training uh, for Spark Connectors, um, just about cultural differences and so forth. There's something in Thai culture where you aren't allowed to point to things with your feet, and uh, that fair enough too. <laughs> and I, there was one day where we were doing yoga out on the lawn as a team. And I, I pointed to something with my foot and I kind of like nudged one of my staff to say, hey, you know, we, we had a client or something, we had to go. And I used my foot to, uh, to, to get her attention, which obviously was really wrong. And I mean, obviously I, I meant no harm or anything, but it just didn't even cross my mind that it was the wrong thing to do. And um, she came up to me after and she was, she said, couldn't Catherine, you know, this, the way that you did that was, um, that, that was not okay. And I was absolutely mortified because um, I certainly didn't mean to offend her or upset her. And uh, it was a really big like, eye-opening experience for me because just small things that are not important to us um, was a big thing for her and I'm so glad that she brought it up because I probably would have carried on, you know, unintentionally doing things that might have <laughs> upset someone. But, yeah, that really um, made me seriously think, okay, you've got, you've got to watch um, these cultural differences and you've got to make sure, like, wherever you go in the world and work 
these are the most important things um, just in terms of creating relationships but also in terms of business. If you don't um, understand uh, the culture of whomever you're doing business with, you essentially are not going to get the best out of that relationship. So, um, yeah, it's always been very important for me to to make sure that I respect other people's people's cultures and what's important to them. Yeah, absolutely. Valuable lessons that you've learned along the way, yeah. I'm sure. Um, a lot of people would be listening to your story and thinking, oh, my goodness, I run one spa and it's difficult enough. How did you have the time and energy and just capacity to run multiple spas at any one time? I think um, I, I, I probably didn't really stop to think about it. Uh, I was on this path of just you know I wanted to take on more and more and more and I kept putting my hand up to to do more and more and I I was actually talking to someone about this last night um when I was working for minor uh and when I was in the the corporate office running M spa uh I had 65 spas around the world and uh I honestly you could not get me out of that office or get me off that my laptop or get me like off a plane I was just absolutely like addicted to the whole experience the adrenaline of getting new deals the um the adrenaline of of creating a new spa concept uh opening up a new spa I think I opened like 28 spas or something during my time with minor which was I mean an amazing experience but I um it was just about really putting the the right processes in place and and the company was so strong and i i always talk about this uh, talk about my time with minor because i wouldn't be able to be doing what i'm doing um if it hadn't been for those years of experience with them uh, every um quarter we had to present the results of all of the spas or all of the hotels to the XCOM and all of the other gms and you know, if you didn't know what was going on in each one of your properties, um, you would be, <laughs> you, yes, it wouldn't be pleasant. So um, you got to the point where you knew every single spa back to front and you'd have to put in obviously processes to work out, you know, how to track all of the, the performance of each property and so on. And so we had you know, good systems and so on. But, yeah, it was, it was very much about looking at priorities and which ones are the, the ones that are generating the most um, revenue and profit and, you know, putting time, more time into those and so on. But, yeah, it was, it was honestly about having a good team that you could rely on as well. I mean, in the corporate office, I had a great team that um, there was regional people that looked after the spas and, um, yeah, it, it definitely was a full-on full on time. Um, but yeah, one that I you know fondly look back on. I don't. I certainly don't have any regrets about going out on my own. But um, yeah, it, it was definitely a, a wild ride. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Was you've been with Spark Connectors for five years now? What? Nearly five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what was that moment like when you thought perhaps I could do this on my own? <laughs> so. Actually, how it all came about was I uh, continually had challenges with staff when I was with minor, 
And what we had to do was track the turnaway revenue in our properties on a monthly basis. So we would do it daily, obviously, but I needed to look at it on a monthly basis. And we saw that we were turning away so much revenue because we didn't have enough therapists. And I mean, there's absolutely no excuse for not having enough therapists, but the reasoning was that, you know, GMs would put a freeze on hiring or the visa process would take too long. We would have staff and they would resign and they'd give 30 days notice, but it would take three months to get a new person. And, and we knew these things, but yet we weren't fixing the process. So we would go for months without having enough people, which essentially then we would have clients wanting or guests wanting uh, treatments and not getting them. And so we could track how much revenue we were losing. And in some instances, um, it, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that I was the one getting in trouble for this on a, on a monthly basis. And I didn't have, um, I had con- enough influence, but I didn't have control over the hiring in every single property. And so I came up with an idea of how, and it, and it wasn't a brand new idea. There's a lot of companies like Mandara, et cetera, that do training and then placements. But I really looked at how we could source local talent, train them to our menus and our standards and then uh, have them ready to go onto the properties. Um, That would mean that the property had to pay for the therapist training, which worked out about $1,000 for a couple of months training. Um, It meant that the therapist would then be able to arrive on property, be ready to go, start generating revenue straight away. Because usually when you just hire someone Um, They have to come in and be trained up on property. You've got to wait then for someone else to be available. If you're really busy and already short of staff, then it's obviously challenging to find that person to be able to train up the new staff. Uh, So you usually have a few months of downtime where a new staff member is really not um, generating enough revenue or um, productive enough. Mm. So I thought, okay, this is a brilliant idea. Let's implement this. Um, we can do it, uh, we can partner with existing training schools that are out there or we can do it ourselves. Um, we've got the expertise, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, it was accepted within the company that we would do this, but I had to go and uh, convince every GM to spend the money on these individuals. Uh, I didn't, I couldn't get the funding to be able to just set it all up and then force the GMs to pay um, the money for these therapists. And honestly, I think it was after my fifth or sixth uh, property that I was trying to convince that I just, I I really kind of lost the will to (laughs) argue and try and, I guess, lobby for this to work. And I thought, you know what, uh, it's probably time that I do this myself. And also, minor is just such a an incubator for entrepreneurs. Like if you've got even, and I say this all the time, if you've got even a vague entrepreneurial bone in your body and you work for minor, like you, you wouldn't be staying there for years and years and years. Like you would have to get out there and do something yourself. They seriously set you up to be able to go and do your own thing. Um, so... I just started thinking about this because it wasn't just our company that had all of these challenges. It was absolutely every spa and salon and everyone in the whole world had the same challenges. 
So I thought, okay, how can I um, do this myself? And so I just started working on the plan to then start Spark Connectors. And it's very much around the recruitment and training side of things and looking at how we can develop talent. And, and not just from a recruitment and, and placement perspective, but how can we look at individuals in the industry and give them tools to um, essentially uh, grow their careers and, you know, be more than just a therapist or be more than, you know, whatever it is that they've been, be more than a manager, step into other roles, become go from being a manager to being an owner of a, their own place or whatever. How do we actually make these people realise that they can be something else? Uh, and what do we need to do to be able to give that to them? And so, yeah, the, the path that we're in now, it has been a little bit convoluted, <laughs> but um, I, I think we're we're finding our way and where, I mean, recruitment is incredibly difficult. Um, our industry, I feel, doesn't necessarily understand how to, to utilise recruitment very well. Um, whereas you might look at an industry like uh, a finance or um, tech or something like that, you know, it's the norm to utilise a recruitment company to find your people and so forth. But for us, um, we're not quite there. So for us, it has been a real learning curve to try and work out, you know, how best can we support the industry? How best can we find the right people? Um, and also, I mean, it's not, sometimes it's not really the nicest uh, industry to be in. So attracting people to come in and then stay um, is, a challenge and it's it's kind of then led us into what we're doing now with these awards and trying to uh, get people to share their stories of why they love the industry why they think they should be recognized why um you know the the industry needs to to be supported by you know governments and so forth or even recognized by governments so uh yeah we're in an interesting place I'm not sure what the answer is, but I do think it's all of us working together um, to really try and get some better recognition, whether it's for the people or for the industry. Coming up after the break, Catherine shares with us the challenges of recruitment and training in the professional beauty industry, and two gives us the how, what, where, when, and why on her latest venture, the Hall of Wellness Awards. But first, a word from today's beauty partner. Community, while we're on the subject of incredible women in our industry, I would love to share a story of another incredible industry figure. The story of a woman with a dream, her garage, a pair of heels and some flats. Maria Enacocciolone only ever wanted one thing, to create her own range of candles. In the spring of September 2007, in her garage of her family home, Maria lit the flame of a dream bigger than anyone, including she, could have ever imagined, In Skin Cosmetics. InSkin Cosmetics launched with one brand, no clients, and a vision to return to the heart and soul of the Australian beauty industry. In her flats, Maria was the warehouse manager, pick and pack customer care, operations and logistics. In heels, she was sales, marketing and education. In October of 2007, InSkin Cosmetics launched to the trade in Sydney and Melbourne and soon had its first 30 partners. 
Maria's kids became the part-time pick-and-pack team and her husband CFO by night, working a full-time corporate job by day. Within six months, InSkin Cosmetics welcomed Imogen C and two brands proved too many for the garage. It was off to InSkin's first ever official head office and hello to new additions, InSkin LED, Cosmetic Peel Microdermabrasion and Skin Inject Clinical and Retail Skin Needling Devices. In 2009, Maria added to InSkin's portfolio when she created her first ever range, and while it wasn't candles, it was destined to become Australia's fastest growing and number one cosmetical skincare range, O Cosmetics. Australian made, owned, loved, and internet protected to ensure skin health journeys happen face-to-face -face with an expert and designed specifically to fight skin aging, correct serious skin conditions, and ultimately result in skin health, youth, and confidence. In 2017, Maria, in collaboration with Nicola Quinn, created and launched Ginger and Me, a new skincare range born to address modern skin concerns with a touch of luxury and, in all honesty, after too many cocktails on a rooftop bar in Hong Kong. Ginger and Me is dedicated to the sisterhood, with a focus on mindfulness, empowerment and skin health results, including a signature professional mindfulness treatment featuring an in-treatment guided meditation. In 2020, InSkin Cosmetics has transformed from a beauty distributor to a leading medical aesthetic distributor and is home to a powerhouse portfolio of skin health products and devices, including O Cosmetics, Ginger and Me, Dermapen World, Emergency, Viora Devices, Photon Smart, Cryopen, and Skin DNA. The InSkin Cosmetics family, though now bigger than ever and still growing, continues to go from strength to strength, anchored by the same founding eight core values Maria created in her garage. Integrity, customer-centric, transparency, the honeypot, personal responsibility, gratitude, family, and growth. To this day, these values are taught to each new team member during induction by Maria personally. Maria and InSkin Cosmetics may have left the garage over 10 years ago, but this CEO, director, creator, and leader still wears both heels and flats. It just depends on the day. And that candle range? Well, she's still working on it. Contact team at InSkinCosmetics.com, and that's cosmetics with a D, for more information on exclusive offers launching August 1st. Thank you so much to the team at InSkin for making today's episode possible. And now... Back to Catherine. Yeah, absolutely. I know there's going to be a lot of um, business owners and managers listening along to that, just nodding, going, yes, I, you know, I've been the technician and now I'm the business owner or I'm the manager. And while I've had to learn how to manage a team, marketing, advertising, back end of the website, finance, I've also had to learn how to recruit and interview and then attract and retain staff, which is just so much all in its own. So it seems like a no brainer to hand that over to people who do know what they're doing and who do that every single day and who are the specialists in that area. Yeah. But then too, it's like, well, what if I spend all this money on training them and then they leave me, you know? Leave, yeah. so, or I spend money on recruiting someone and they're not good. Or, you know, exactly. how do I trust that this other person knows what it is that I need? Look, I guess it's the same as if you pay for um, a training course on business to help you, you've got to um, believe that that course is going to give you the tools that you need to be a better business person. 
um, I think it's a general acceptance that um, if you spend money on educating yourself, full stop, you are going to improve in, in anything you do. And I feel like um, perhaps we lack that a little bit within the industry. Um, it's getting better. And in some countries, it's it, it, people take more, um, I guess, pride in their qualifications and what they do. But it's not really necessarily the norm for people to continue to keep um, investing in themselves and their education. And, um, you know, as a business owner, uh, if you want to be the best at what you do, you need those sorts of tools, right? It's either you invest in yourself and to be better at it or you invest in support to be able to drive your business. So one of the two, if you do nothing, you'll end up in the same situation that you're in now and your business potentially is not going to succeed as well as it could. So, I've, yeah, it's, it's a challenging one and I think I spend a lot of time trying to educate um, owners, spa managers, owners of hotels, GMs, owners of clinics, um, doctors that own clinics, all sorts of things that, you know, if you, if you spend the right money on the right people, then your business can really succeed. But, you know, a lot of people don't know what to look for. They're not sure. So, mm. yeah, it's certainly challenging. Um, and the only thing that I can say is that, you know, as a consultant or someone that's providing support to the industry, we need to be as um, reputable, as um, professional, uh, deliver what you say that you're going to deliver um, because, you know, the more that you get consultants or, and it's not just from a business perspective, it's even from a social media perspective or a marketing perspective or, or what have you, sales if you, the more that people have terrible experiences, recruitment, whatever it is, training, the more that people have terrible experiences, um, then that impacts their, the view of using services like all of us have. And yeah, it's a challenge. We need to, we need to be changing that mindset and we need to be um, making sure that we're ethical. I think what, one interesting thing we're going to see now because so many um, senior spa people and salon people etc out of jobs uh, we're going to see a lot more consultants coming out on the market mm. and whilst that's great um, I'm all for people like jumping in and you know have, having a go at things um, you, you we really need people out there that know what it is that they're doing and that have the necessary experience uh, to be able to help these businesses because otherwise it then does impact uh, the ones that are out there uh, that have been doing it for a long time and have, you know, the right experience or, you know, have put in those hard yards. Yeah, so, yeah for mm. sure. And it's always about doing your due diligence, you know. I mean, we were talking about recruitment before and the list of questions and qualifications just so that we can start a trade test. I mean, you know, we put an advertisement out we phone qualify them, then we get them in, then we might think about it, then we get them in for a trade test. You know, I say that we should be doing that for everything. This is coaches, consultants, people who are going to spend with for education, products and brands.
brands and machinery that we're going to bring into our business. This shouldn't just be for who we're going to hire on our team, but for everything and look into people and, you know, ask past clients and um, past students or past users, like what was your experience with them? Because sometimes people are very good at, um, you know, talking about themselves. on Interviewing well. well. Yeah, yeah. And interviewing well. Um, and then the practicality of that doesn't happen. Um, I want to ask you about your first partnership going back to, you know, almost five years ago and now. How did you secure that and how did that make you feel? Actually, our first client was a Saudi client who was, actually we still have today, the project's still ongoing. Um, it was a massive, massive client. Um, it's a seven-storey women's wellness centre. And uh, we got it because we got the lead. It came in through just through our website, I think, and then we we pitched it and, um, yeah, we got it actually. And then simultaneously we did a training program for Lux Resorts in the Maldives uh, where um, it was someone who was running the spas that I'd worked with uh, in the industry for a long time and he needed 10 therapists recruited in Bali and trained up in Bali and then sent over to him. Um, so we did that at the same time. So, yeah, they were the, the first ones. I think, you know, really our um, success, if you can call it success, uh, has really been word of mouth and most of the leads that we get really have come from people that I've worked with in the industry over the years um a lot of gms a lot of owners of hotels um just people recommending you know if you need something done with spa or whatever you've got to call catherine and um, that's been amazing but it also brings a lot of pressure with it because it means that every single thing that you put out there has to be like exceptional our industry is small and i was just going to touch on it with your last question you know, it's, it's great for us to do um, reference checks. It's great for us to, you know, find out about other people and what they're doing and so forth. But our industry is also very small and it's also very um, subjective in terms of what people think is um, quality or is the right way of doing business and so forth. So I'm often very wary about, you know, hearing stories of, about other people's businesses from other people in the industry because um, it's not necessarily fair to judge people based on um, other people's stories. So I, I like to take a bit of a, um, a balanced view on, on people and, and who we work with and, and, you know, different partnerships. And even from a recruitment perspective, you know, we, we are always doing reference checks um, from multiple people, not just the ones that they give to us um, to check, but, you know, it's, it, it also is subjective in terms of what people are looking for. So many of our clients want, would rather have um, the right attitude versus the, the technical expertise. You know, in some instances, it's, it's more so the technical and years of experience than the attitude. Um, so it's, it's just interesting to obviously understand the client's needs um, and then also when you're recruiting on a global scale, being able to meet people doing 
now obviously with all the closure of airports and so forth it's really been very challenging and being able to move people around and having to recruit within the same spaces or the same pool of talent um, is challenging also because I don't like to take from one um, location because I don't think it's fair you know if, if people are spending a lot of time and energy on bringing someone into their um, property and training them up and what have you then for me to then go and place them somewhere else. Yes, yeah, look, honestly, you're going to get attrition and you're going to have people wanting new experiences and so forth. But, you know, I, it, I do struggle with um, the fact that I know how hard it is to bring people in and get them to this, a certain level. So, yeah, um, I guess to answer your question, you know, our industry is... It's an interesting one. Um, we, I, I would like it if we were all a little bit more um, compassionate towards each other because um, I think that certainly would help um, us. Uh, and, and I can see more and more collaboration happening, um, especially since uh, Corona has happened. Uh, but, yeah, being able to support one another and, one another and being able to um, recommend other people based on um, your experience with them and so forth, I think is really important. Yeah, that's a really good point. And two, um, back to what you were saying before about doing your due diligence, time goes on and people mature, you know? So if you work to totally. somebody, like I've had many people mm. phone me for a reference and I haven't worked with them for six or seven years and they've said, oh, what was she like when you were managing her? And I said, oh, look, well, this is what she was like, but that was six, seven years ago. So it could be very, oh, very yeah. different to, to what she's doing yes. today or how she's behaving. And totally agree. You never, um, yeah, you never hold that behaviour, can you? Yeah. I mean, if I think about the sort of manager I was, um, you know, five, five 10 years ago mm. um i was terrible yeah, you know I, I would yeah i would go crazy at things i would yell and scream i would i had no idea how to to manage my emotions or know what on earth i'm doing i mean i'm certainly far from perfect now but you know i i, I think age certainly helps but i've done a lot of work on trying to make sure that i am a better leader or a better manager so yeah to to judge someone based on who they were uh years ago i think yeah it's a, that's a great point mm. we really need to be a little bit more compassionate in general i think absolutely mm. do you have a project that you're most proud of to date oh there's so many um i guess these awards that we're doing right now um, I'm pretty proud of how they've been executed so far. Uh, I'm I'm proud of all of the spas that we've created um, in the time that I've had spa connectors. I guess for me, honestly, the the small things like being able to place a therapist and then see them uh, grow and thrive for me is a bit more of a, a win. You know, I've got a couple of therapists that um, constantly update me on where they're going and I see them, you know, working their way up and getting promotions and they'll come and ask me, you know, what, what should I do next and da 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 And, you know, I, I love that. I think that's that's part of why I really started Spark Connectors. It's not wasn't necessarily about 
um, creating spas and, and the consulting side of things has been um, great and I love doing it, but it, it is very much around the development of the people in the industry. And I think for me, that's the most exciting. Um, you know, we're working on a few different projects now just in terms of recruitment. But uh, I would say for me, it's just being able to see people thrive and, you know, really improve themselves or get better opportunities. Um, and I'd like to be able to do more of that. Um, the only challenge is, is that I've got to pay the bills and I've got to pay <laughs> my staff. And, uh, you know, what, what pays the bills is the consulting. And, um, yeah, we're, you know, trying to get ourselves into a place where, you know, recruitment can be um, uh, easier to execute and manage and uh, also cost-effective for, for the client. But, yeah, I would say, yeah, there's not one thing that sticks out. These awards um, are exciting because uh, being able to recognise the individual's being able to create a scholarship fund where, you know, we're raising money from the sponsors to be able to then upskill individuals, especially now where there's so many of them out of jobs or on leave without pay or just not knowing what's going to happen. For them to be able to have this fund that they can, you know, put their hand up and say, hey, I think that I deserve to do this course and then we're able to pay for it. I mean, that I think would be incredible experience um, I'm excited about that the challenge that we face at the moment is that obviously everyone globally is in a, a, quite a terrible financial situation so raising money um, is very hard right now and 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 I, I knew that would be the case uh, but I mean we'll, we'll carry on uh, regardless but you know in subsequent years I think we'll be able to get um, this fund going uh, and find other ways of being able to contribute to the fund as well. Um, ideally find ongoing sponsors that want to help uh, because I think there are so many people that just don't have the cash in our industry to be able to invest in themselves. And it's not the responsibility of the employer to pay for their training and their upskilling. I mean, it's, it'd be a nice thing if they could but it's not the responsibility of, of the employer to pay for it. Um, so being able to help them and give them the funding, um, for me, yeah, that's what excites me. Amazing. Well, I wanted to ask you about the Hall of Wellness Awards because, I mean, you've got Spark Connectors, you're doing recruitment and training and consulting and now we're in the middle of a pandemic. Why awards? So we, over the last four months, uh, obviously during this pandemic, really saw that uh, obviously there's no business coming in fast. Uh, no one needs consulting, training or recruitment during a pandemic. Uh, we had a couple of clients um, that we were still doing some recruitment for, but quite honestly, not enough money to be able to sustain my team. Um, and I really didn't want to let them go. Um, they've been with me for a long time. I've also spent a lot of time in terms of training them up so that they can deliver projects and training and so forth. Um, we decided that whilst our colleagues in the industry were really working on helping businesses and owners through this pandemic, we would help the people on the ground. 
we would help the individuals um, that might be out of work, that might be facing uncertainty in their careers. And we really, I mean, we, we've always been about knowing what's going on on the ground, knowing the people. We've, our database is, our database is, is big and it's great and it has a lot of uh, owners and operators and so forth, but it also has a lot of these therapists through to managers and so forth, people who uh, essentially uh, needed our support. So we thought, okay, what can we do to help these guys get through this time? And we decided to first create a, a Facebook group and what could we do in the Facebook group? Okay, let's share content, let's share training. There were so many webinars going on. We were sharing webinars, we were sharing um, tools and tips of what they can be doing during this time. We helped them with their CVs. We uh, had a hotline where they could call and talk to any of us. We did mock interviews, um, all sorts of things, just to try and help them. I mean, obviously, we couldn't get, give them jobs. Uh, anytime we've been seeing any jobs being posted on LinkedIn or anything by anyone, we're sharing them. Um, you know, we know that it's not a time where we're going to be able to make money off these things. It's like, okay, how can we get all of these jobs in front of these people and just help people? Because quite honestly, from a global perspective, there are people that are just sitting there without anything, not knowing what to do next and not necessarily having any government support. You know, Australia, UK um, are very lucky because the government has been able to help um, support with um, some payments and so forth. But most other countries are not doing anything like that and there are people that are left without anything. So we were thinking, okay, well, look, what can we do? And, I, and I'd always been um, interested in doing some sort of um, awards and it was because, one, there's, there's two reasons. One, I have always wanted to uh, recognise individuals. I think that we have so many great awards programs out there. I'm a judge on a few of them. Uh, but mostly they recognise businesses, which is fantastic. Businesses need that. But I wanted to have something where it was about the individuals and giving us an opportunity to actually showcase the careers of these people and what's gone into these careers to get them to where they are. You know, if you're um, the best microblader in the region or if you're the global spa therapist or if you're the manager of the year or what have you like what how did you get to that and what and why are you doing it and what's your passion and, and sharing those stories I think is important and recognizing the fact that you put in a lot of time and energy might it might be education it might be just experience um, might be both uh, but being able to showcase what those people have done to get there and to recognise them and say, hey, hang on, you know, we salute you. You're not just a commodity that when, you know, all hell breaks loose in our industry uh, during a pandemic that we're just like, oh, well, we can let go of you now and we'll just get some more therapists later or we'll just get another manager later or we'll just get a cheaper manager because it doesn't really matter uh, who's running the spa or the salon or whatever, right? I, I just like really it, that upsets me because a lot of people have put time into their careers. So being able to genuinely recognize them and have a 
judging process that is serious, a judging process that they have to go through a lot of steps to show why they are the best. But then for them, that's something that they can be proud of and that they can say, I was, you know, spa therapist of the year in, in 2020. This is on my CV. Uh, this can then help them and we can then share their stories from a social media perspective and really get it out there. So I think that's important. I think it's important for the industry as well because well, people need to see why the industry is, is good and why people would want to be in our industry and then also show governments that there's more to the industry than just it's a little hobby for, you know, some housewife to oh, I just decided I want to be a, a you know, makeup artist and I'm doing it mm. on the side and it's just a hobby, right? You know, we're contributing to the global economy uh, better than a lot of industries and yet we're still not taken seriously. It, you know, looking at the UK recently and what happened there with them not opening spas and salons and the, the parliament laughing at our industry and thinking mm. it's a joke, you know, that infuriates me. Because if you look at what is something like $30 billion that the industry contributes to the UK economy, hello, that's not uh, a, a, a small feat there. Like mm. They are really offering uh, jobs and taxes. So it, it just it, that upsets me. And I think if we are able to, to share this, the stories of the people and get that out there... Um, that could help, right? Yeah. It's not going to change the world, but it could help. Um, secondly, I also, from a recruitment and business perspective, I want to see who are the good people out there. I want to see who's doing new stuff. I mean, I'm following loads of people on Instagram. I'm seeing how people are positioning themselves. I want us to see how we can help, uh, I guess, evolve the industry. And it's not just about just hiring a therapist and they're on a nine to five set salary. It's about saying, do we now have to start looking at these individuals as um, their own identity, their own brand? And how do they then work in with your particular business? Because it's clearly not working. We're not attracting people that want to come into our industry to work in a salon, waxing people from nine to five, getting paid minimum wage. That's not working. But you could, people want to be a, um, you know, a celebrity facialist. People want to be a famous makeup uh, artist or brow technician or what have you. We have to now look at what are we doing with positioning people and giving them the chance to shine and then be rewarded, but also to be able to help the current sector. And it's, it's kind of thinking outside the box and saying, okay, well, we're not doing things in the same way that we've always done. Maybe the standard high street salon is dead now. Maybe it's all about um, having these individuals that are freelancers um, that then come together and work in certain spaces. I don't know the answer, but we've got to be thinking about this because it's, it's clearly not working in a lot of spaces the way, you know, we do, we do things the way that we've always done it and, you know, expect different results. That's crazy. Mm. so yeah that's why I wanted to do the awards um and I also want people in the industry what if these nominees etc to also see the brands that are supporting 
and to know that they're the brands that care about the industry and care about the people. And I think that's a big thing for these brands because these are the future decision makers that we're recognising here. Um, they're also the current decision makers, but they're the, also the future. So to for them to understand that right now when it's needed the most, these other brands are stepping up and saying, hey, I know it's a tough time right now, but we are going to put our hand in our pocket and help support you. And I think that's just it's so important right now. Yeah, for sure. That's why I was so, you know, touched when um, we were became a qualified industry partner with the Hall of Wellness because that's exactly what we're about. It's about that recognition and that reward and being really progressive in the industry and not doing what we've always done because we will be stagnant and, you know, other industries surpass us. Um, but what mm. I love most about the Hall of Wellness is that we're going to understand the personalities and the, the character profiles behind the winners because so many awards that I've attended, you go to a ceremony and it's all glitz and glam and you get your photo at the media wall and then you're like, okay, they won and now what? And you never hear mm. anything else totally. about them, you know? And yep. if you're aspiring to be the next category winner, you're kind of like, yep. well, how did they get it? But you don't want to ask them how they got it because that might be seen as competition, um, you know? So I really love that you guys are shining that kind of light on, mm. on the behind the scenes of the applications too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we approached you because we can see that you have the same values as, as us and we wanted to partner with people that were going to get what we're trying to do and help get it out to as many people as possible. You know, we, I mean, the, the nominees that we've had so far, it's crazy since we opened. Um, and actually the, the breakdown is quite interesting. There's been about 50% that are self um, nominated and 50% that are nominating others oh. and uh, it's really really cool to see we need a little bit more traction in uh, US and Australia so hopefully um, that can this podcast can help um, but it's for me it's about just working with our ambassadors and our partners and really getting them to share the message and you know once we start getting these interviews out from the the nominees and once their videos because they have to do a video when they um, nominate themselves one of the stages of the judging process is that they do a video of themselves as to why they should win and it needs to be creative and i think we will get some really cool content that can be shared um that yeah i'm excited to see the personalities of people and and the motivation you know behind why they want to win or why they're in the industry and you know all that i think that's that's exciting and us understanding those mindsets are going to help us to be able to grow and develop the industry. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned before there's high expectations on everything that you do. I can imagine because you're mm. such a global spa guru, I'm going to title you. Um, what can we expect from the Hall of Wellness? I mean, I mentioned before, you know, obviously we can't do big events anymore because of the pandemic and social distancing. I know you've got so many different um, categories for applicants to apply to. What else should we be looking out for? So the event uh, where we will announce the winners is going to be a virtual event, um, which will be held over, we're thinking it will be about 12 hours and it will be over different time zones and there'll be varying things that happen. And we've got a really cool platform that we're working with um, to be able to 
uh, do different uh, things, whether it's some entertainment, whether it's industry people speaking, whether it's sponsors doing their slots, and then the varying regions would have their awards um, being announced and then the global awards would be at the very end. Uh, but really allowing a lot of access uh, to people throughout the industry to come and watch what's going on and to pick and choose who they want to see and um, hear from different people around the world. Uh, keeping in mind that our theme or our mission is very much around, you know, giving back to, to the therapists and the people on the ground, um, uh, helping them educate themselves further. Uh, so the, the theme will very much be around that. Uh, but we want to do something quite different. You know, everyone's saying to me, oh, but you should do an event. And I was like, well, you know what? Uh, I just feel like it's very hard right now to get people to fly somewhere. And uh, I'm sure everyone wants to catch up um, because we all miss each other very much and it would be a really great event. But I also, I don't, any money that we raise, I really don't want to spend it on an event. I'd like to spend it on this scholarship fund. So I'd like it to go back into the people. So to put on an event, even if we we're charging tickets and things like that, it'd be much more useful for us to be able to put it back into the fund. And then also, you know, people regionally can get together if they want to, to, to watch the awards and so forth. So we could do some really cool things where, you know, people can get together and, you know, sponsors could sponsor um, the different events and, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we're working on to try and see how we can get the communities together and then live stream it and, and just get some collaboration and excitement going. But yeah, for now, um, we're really just working on uh, get onboarding our sponsors, um, getting the traction that we need from a media perspective, making sure that the word's out there, that people understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, at the same time, we've got a few projects coming through, um, which is good to see uh, from a Spa Connectors perspective. But I would say looking at the current climate, uh, for us, our focus is just very much around the awards and will be for the next six months. Um, for me, you know, the industry is so small and I really like to make sure that everything that we put out there is quality. So it does kind of mean that I'm a little bit uh, uh, anal about things and uh, micromanage perhaps a little bit too much. But I think it's important because, you know, this industry, if you, um, you know, it, it, if you muck up and uh, don't deliver, it's very quick for people to talk about it, sadly which I think we also shouldn't be doing. Um, but, yeah, so for us it's it's really about making sure that we do these awards and we do it well. And, again, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing with awards. I've been involved in um, helping sell awards with professional beauty and World Spa and Wellness and I've been a judge uh, in quite a few awards, but I've got really no idea how to run awards. So um, I'm kind of winging it. Um, but, you know, I, I think... Uh, so far, we're doing okay. Well, Fingers it's pivoting crossed. during a pandemic, right? <laughs> that key yeah. word that's been well, thrown around. Well, <laughs> look, totally, totally. Uh, you know, and I spent, you know, many a day at the start of this pandemic thinking, like, what on earth do I do? I don't want to let my staff go. Um, I just, you know, how do, how do I get us through and, and 
put us in a place where we're going to be okay. And, I mean, it will be touch and go for sure. Um, like everyone else in the industry that is a supporting business, um, you know, it's about looking at what can you do? Is it, you know, is it creating memberships? Is it automating support? Is it like what can you do to be able to help people out there? And at the end of the day, it's our clients, the, the operators that need to be able to spend that money on you and trust that you're going to be able to deliver for them. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's challenging times. Um, but, yeah, I think the key is obviously just keep hustling <laughs> and uh, hope for the best. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you have our complete support and um, we will definitely be doing a live stream watch party for the live awards. Um, but oh, in cool. the meantime, everybody on this podcast is going to hear me talk about the awards all the time. And you heard from Catherine oh, just you. there, um, Australia and US. And I know this is a globally reaching podcast. so I'm going to do a shout out to everybody. Um, make sure you enter these awards. Catherine, thank you so much for featuring on our podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been uh, great being able to share and to uh, reminisce over things. But no, I really appreciate the support that you're giving us. Uh, really, we we won't be successful with this event if we don't have the support of our industry people. And um, yeah, so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's conversation. How incredible is Catherine and the initiative of herself and her team and what they've created over at the Hall of Wellness Awards. If you are the best of the best or you want to be known as the best, then I so wholeheartedly encourage you to click through the link in our show notes and nominate yourself or somebody else who is just as impressive for entry. Imagine being rewarded and recognized for your hard work in the hardest year of business we have ever had to date. Wouldn't that just be the icing of the cake? If you'd like to follow along with the magic that is Spark Connectors, you can do so over at Spark Connectors across the gram and at h.o.w awards for more details on the awards themselves. If you've listened and loved, then make sure you share and tag us at Beauté Industry and of course myself at Tamara Shaw Reed to watch all of the behind the scenes of Beauté goodness. Until next time, stay connected.